And we're live. Um, you don't have to use that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. I yeah, I know. You, you're the grand maestro. Uh, um, no, you are clearly the grand. You're you're like the lead host. <laughs> oh, fascinating. I am the are, background. Are we? Are host. we already bickering? Welcome to VF <laughs> <laughs> <BF> goggles. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> oh gosh um yeah <laughs> um <laughs> we're the podcast where we talk about what we want when we want mostly media though to be mm-hmm. honest um <laughs> with some fucking goggles on yeah we do um, yeah um i'm just being really random and like uh my listener question to y'all is like if you could be like a perfume like what would your scent be wow um, really <laughs> busting out of here with the like the heaters <laughs> what's it called you know by this time people like you know might actually answer but and you know where you can submit our answers to oh <laughs> <laughs> you can submit them to bfgpod at gmail.com but be warned that Brandon has a very finely tuned olfactory sense and will definitely like dissect your answer it may not come out if we decide to read these on the air but just know that they went through a microscope a like particle machine an x-ray and a taste test (laughs) yeah um and you know for those of you that um might be less familiar with perfumes and how they're made it's totally not what we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. but um there's usually like a top note which ends up being like a floral or a citrus there's like a heart note um which is kind of the 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 main kind of lingering scent that you want to like people to notice Mm. and then there's the um the base note which is kind of like holds everything together um, it's the thing that's going to be the last, the last smell that you smell. Um, they're usually musks, um, or like kind of like woodsy stuff. Mm. Um, so, you know, um, that's kind of like what the format would be. If you go into like some nice, uh, uh, websites, they'll show you, they'll often like do it in the notes. They'll break it down into like top, um, top notes and then the heart note and then the base note. But, you know. That's if you actually do it. <laughs> That's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about uh, <laughs> this anime that I, I mean, both of us like, but I don't know how Francesca is going to feel. Um, it's called uh, I'm Reincarnated as a Villainous, All, uh, All Flags End in Doom. Uh, that's one one, or at least the one that I see on the web the most is My Next Life as a Villainous, All Routes Lead to Doom. Oh, there it is. There it is. Francesca has the correct uh, title. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, um, we, season two came out uh, earlier this year, um, but season one was hype. We loved it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Francesca, maybe because of me, I might be the one to blame. Um, she was also probably busy, but uh, didn't watch season two until recently. I watched it while it was airing. So Francesca's coming at you with the fresh perspective. I'm coming at you with the my memory is just really gross, good perspective. Yes. But it's something we wanted to talk about. Indeed. I'm coming with the binge knowledge. You are coming with the 
my intellect is superior knowledge. <laughs> and uh, between the two of us, we will talk about it. I just like blueberries, Francesca. Is that a top um, note? Is that a heart note? <laughs> it could be top or um, heart, depending. Funnily also. enough, to transition into wine notes, I'm not sure I ever have heard of a wine note that's as blueberry, but I feel compelled oh. to search for it because that sounds intriguing. And I'm also willing to bet that it would probably be like a some sort of sparkling cider or like a, a brute or... Some sort of sweet mm. Riesling, maybe? That sounds like a sweet note. Yeah. Um, it de- I, de- I feel like it depends. Really? Um, I feel like blueberry can get into, like, kind of, like, deep bodies. Uh. Especially if, like, we're thinking about, like, fresh blueberry. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know. Yeah, I've never I've never heard of a... Do perfumes say blueberry? Uh, uh, yeah. Huh. If, it has, if it has it in it. Okay. Well, anyway. Um, sorry. Tangent. <laughs> <laughs> literally us literally me we're not talking about it three minutes of us being like blah blah blah, blah, blah. um it's gonna so, go say um, isn't ambergris also uh something that used to be used in perfumes <laughs> still does oh actually. wow um, but, inhumane yeah. okay but there might also be like artificial renditions of it, oh that's right? true that's true um that's usually what they do with some of the things that uh require uh, bodies mm. um any hoodle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, we're just going to call it villainous because that's just what we call it between each other. Mm. Uh, we know what anime that we're talking about. I'm not going to give you the full title every single time. Mm. Um, the plot line for villainous, um, just to kind of keep y'all, catch you up to where we're talking about. Because again, this is a very spoiler heavy podcast. If you do not want to be spoiled, please watch the show and come back. Or listen to us, get intrigued, and watch the show knowing things happen. Um, but <laughs> you have been warned. You have been warned. <laughs> um, <laughs> me with my Pellegrino, just making uh, voices all That's day. cute. I am not drinking Pellegrino. But, you know, that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> Different sides of the same coin. Mm. Um, <laughs> so... Um, basically, um, Villainous, the first season, um, is an isekai anime, and so isekai is a genre where, um, someone gets pulled into an alternate universe. Um, this could be because they died in, like, the, in our reality, um, or because they were summoned, or, you know, whatever. Um, the idea is that they were living in, like, a mundane modern world, Mm. um, and that they've been pulled into a world... Um, that's usually high fantasy in some sense. Um, in this case, the protagonist got pulled into a world that is seemingly based off of an Otome game um, that she played in her previous life. Mm-hmm. And um, Otome as a genre, if you don't know, is um, there is usually one female suitor and then a suit, uh, a harem of men um, that she has options to date. And so you basically make choices. It's usually a visual novel type, type game. You make choices that kind of put you on different routes for suitors. So she doesn't get reincarnated as the protagonist. She gets reincarnated as the villainess, um, who in the game kind of either dies or gets exiled. Right. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so she is very stressed when she realizes. Right. Because she also that... has, like, she knows most of these routes and knows mm. the doom flags. Right. Which at this point you right. could probably call it trope. Like a doom flag probably is, I mean, it's like a 
notion in terms of like event games or any time it's an event flag it's a negative event flag it comes up in a lot of these types of games but i feel like it's also kind of like a, a meta trope sometimes mm-hmm. so just just yeah. mentioning that they're usually um yeah you might like uh you might be watching something and a character will say something often like you and you and me billy will be best friends we'll be best friends like we're gonna make it back and then someone's like uh death flag they (laughs) they, they usually say doom but you know and that implies that that character is signaling like a an emotional connection that's not gonna last because the narrative the narrative is going to end their life prematurely Mm -hmm. to get all the kind of emotional tears Mm -hmm. that's what you're talking about right um yeah and so um, in season one, she's kind of hyper aware while also being really dense. This is very important to her character. Yeah. So she's hyper hyper aware of kind of the meta narrative and like what she needs to do to kind of save herself. Mm-hmm. But she kind of makes all these kind of very airheaded decisions <laughs> around <laughs> it um, that simultaneously make her very bizarre because she's um, reincarnated as a noble. So one of the things is she decides she's um, there's magic in this universe, basically four different elements, which is fire, water, air, and earth, and mm-hmm. then rare magic of light and dark, mm-hmm. um, which are relevant for like the overarching plot. Mm-hmm. But she's a, she's like a kind of weak earth mage aristocrat and so she, like she's like i might get exiled so i'll need to learn how to farm and so she she like all of a sudden is this farming aristocrat to her like mother's like dismay <laughs> and so she kind of develops she she's she's known for being like a big sweet tooth she eats like way more than she's quote-unquote supposed to yeah. and it's kind of these quirks of her kind of airheaded decisions around survival that kind of endears her to the cast of characters yeah and so um season one you kind of see kind of how each of the main characters end up falling for her mm-hmm. while she has no kind of clue that they are in love with her right. <laughs> which is part of the joy of that show in my opinion absolutely yeah so she kind of almost uh takes on unintentionally the role of the protagonist known as maria before uh uh by kind of her endearing charm um and then and the reason why we're talking about this show is because basically everyone falls in love with her can you remind me her name i always say the katarina katarina Katarina. clays clays yes clays yeah katarina clays i always want to be like catalina and you're always like no it's katarina brando because it's baccarina or, yeah, uh, it's a yeah, hard yeah, 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 because yeah. she is. Um, and so she's a fucking um, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> she's so dumb. It, yeah. um, <laughs> it's so good. Um, and so just to give you, so one of the reasons why we're talking about it is because um, she is well loved by the female cast and the male cast, mm-hmm. and kind of the main. There are a lot of main suitors. I'm going to try to go through them quickly. Um, just because I like to give you all, all the context that you need to maybe understand what the hell we're talking about, mm-hmm. um, or you just listen to the glide of my voice. Um, <laughs> so we have, uh, ooh, I'm not going to remember any of their names. There's Prince Giordo. Yeah, Giordo. Um, who is her fiancé. Mm-hmm. Um, he has um, a character trope of kind of being like a narcissistic evil prince. Um, that is circumvented. There's Prince Alfred. Alan? Alan, thank you. Um, <laughs> okay, 
Francesca recently watched this. I did, um, I did. Who, who's Prince Giorgio's brother. Um, he's almost as dense as uh, Katarina in terms of, like, the feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, he has, like, a younger brother complex in terms of he doesn't feel good enough, and eventually that goes away. Great musician. Mm-hmm. Has great musical moments. Um, there's his fiance, which is... Mary? Yeah, okay. I thought she was Mary. I was like, do they really have a Mary and a Maria? And they, they do. do, yeah. And so Mary is in love with uh, Katarina, and she is very, very vocal about that. Yes. <laughs> she is very, she is a very strong-willed woman with a big lesbian desire. <laughs> awakened, awakened, awakened lesbian yes. desire. <laughs> yeah, she was like, "You are the one." Um, yeah. Yes. Um, and I'm really interested in us talking about her in season two. Mm-hmm. Um, there is Prince Nicholas. Is he a prince or is he a, oh, an he's aristocrat? Just an, he's the prime minister's son. Yeah. Thank you. But there's Nicholas. Um, he's supposed to be the, like, I don't say much, but I'm a heartthrob. He's a really interesting character where he um, also actually gets a lot of desire from both genders. Right. But his focus has always been Katarina. Right. Um, and then we have the younger sister. Sophia. Thank you. <laughs> I love as a name. So good. Wisdom for all, Sophia. Yeah. And so Sophia is, she's interesting in the sense that, um, oh, sorry. So Nicholas and Sophia have like a weird dynamic in the sense that Nicholas is a cis con, um, which I'm not really, she, he just loves his sister uh, a lot. He does. And so part of the narrative is that you have to kind of win over the sister's affection before you can get close to Nicholas because mm-hmm. he just only cares about his sister mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because his sister has been bullied for um, having silver hair and red eyes. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks she's kind of cursed, even though she's gorgeous. She is. Um, and so Sophia and um, Katarina create, um, have a friendship because they basically are – they love books. They love shipping and books, and they love ro- like romance novels. Yeah. <laughs> um, they read other kind of books, but that's kind of where their friendship forms. And Sophia, while she does love Katarina, um, I think uh, maybe more so in season two, kind of gives her brother's affection a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's still a suitor in the grand scheme of things. She just herself is trying to finagle an interesting dynamic. Right. Um, and then there's Katarina's adopted brother. Yes, Keith. Keith. Thank you. And so Keith is kind of adopted from, um, this, uh, lower noble family into the home. I don't really even really remember the reasons. And so he kind of, um, exists as like the doting brother, right? But Mm -hmm. because uh, he's adopted, he's, uh, allowed to kind of have a crush on her, Mm -hmm. um, um, because they're not related by blood. Right. And so, um, and he kind of often bickers with Prince Giordo, who's aware of their crush, right? right? So there's kind of these people who are aware that everyone's into her, and there's her not being aware at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last uh, kind of, the most, the last of the important main cast, there's other people who will fall in love with Katarina. Um, there's other people sure. who will be like reoccurring supporting cast as well, like the maid. Oh yeah, so good. Yeah. Um, but but these are kind of like the main core. They like always, they, you know, they they're yeah. always kind of uh, shenanigans are involved with them. Like the core so, harem, yeah. 
Yeah, and so um, the last one is Maria. And Maria is interesting because she does light magic. She is not a noble person at all. Um, she gets invited into the Magical Academy because she can do light magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and she would actually be the traditional protagonist um, of this Otome game that Katarina had played in a previous life. Mm. Um, but instead, she ends up being one of the suitors. Mm-hmm. Um, and season one is really interesting because... In Katarina's formation, the way that it ends um, is that she thinks that she's reached the friendship route, which is often the true, the 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 first route. It's not the true route, like the but it's like the route. first. Well, no, no, no. It's not the canon one. There's like a route that where like all you do is make friends with everybody, and that's like the. It's like usually like the first route that you go through sometimes. Like the minimum. Before you, yeah, it's like the base route. Yeah. So she thinks that she's gone through the friendship route mm-hmm. <laughs> and that she's avoided all her flags that end in doom mm-hmm. um relatively true and and instead she's gotten the full harem route where right. it means all her options are still available and she's basically made the entire cast fall in love with her mm-hmm. but she is so dense that she does not realize this at the end of season one right and this is important to know <laughs> because of what happens in season two right. um the last arc of season one ends around a secret route that Katarina wasn't aware of mm-hmm. um, that features a dark magician mm-hmm. person who also ends up falling in love with her. But he's more of a supporting character. But you should know that dark magic ends up being the bigger arts that happen are revolved around dark magic. Yeah. Um, which is, you can only get it through like human sacrifice or something weird. Like, you can't be like inherited. Right. You can't like be born into dark magic. Right. Unlike light magic, whatever. Or who know? I'm well. From our perspective, uh, from what I've seen, light magic, we don't know how it originates. Exactly. So you, just as- you just you just assume it's somehow it ha- it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, versus dark magic, which is related to trauma. Um, yeah. That's how the first season ends, and then the second season, which we both have watched recent. I mean, me most recently. I think they got a third season. I think it might be a movie oh. into a third season. Oh, okay. But there's a there's more content after this. Yeah. That's what we, we'll agree on. <laughs> okay. So the second season. Um, the second season was 12 episodes. I think the first season was 12 episodes. Yes. And it basically starts with a school festival. Um, okay. So there's two things. There's the overarching like school and Doom Plague thing is gone. But school is still there, and then there's, like, this dark magic thing that kind of takes over about midway through, I think. Actually, mm-hmm. a little earlier, technically, but it kind of comes to a head, like, in the last quarter of the series. Uh, there's two instances of dark magic at play, mm. because there's kind of two, cause there's kind of two big arcs that, like, happen. There's Leon, that, right? His name's Leon, the blue-haired one. Sora. Oh, Sora. Oh, wow. Where did I come from? Leon, yeah. Uh, wow. Um, <laughs> I was like, they're both Square Enix IPA or IPAs, IPs. It's fine. It's yeah. You were you Whatever. were you were in that. You were in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> bad, bad, bad. Um, anyway, so Sora is a suitor that happens, and that's the kidnapping arc. Right. And then there's the Keith kid there's two kidnapping arcs. Yeah, and Katarina gets Keith kidnapped, Keith gets kidnapped. Kidnapped. And so that's a different dark magic arc. Right. And but that he one sets still up like being... kind of like the bigger ones. But isn't I thought uh Sora was being kind of aided by the person who ends up becoming the bigger villain. No. No? 
I don't. Oh, think it was so. it was the uh, the sister of or the it, the fiance of the brother. Yeah, but she was being maybe manipulated by because because there's a royal okay, there's like a royal the, there's three brothers going for the throne right, and so there's like kind of royal shenanigans. And Giardo is the youngest. Yes, and so uh, basically Giardo is like the one that people think should be king, but his older brothers like also are you know it's usually by who's born first. Right? Yeah, but somehow it's a popularity contest. Right. And so I think it's, like, some other noble family who, like, is, like, trying to show that they support, like, a brother by doing it. But they, like, are misguided. Right. Okay. But she might have been, like, She might have been linked, but, like, not in, like, a... A clear way. Yeah. Not in, like, a, like, that was her master plan. Right. So, So this season doesn't have, like, the through line of necessarily Katarina trying to prevent her own misfortune like she's she's not trying to avoid any doom flags per se no and and it kind of starts with more about the nuances of her harem and like the fact that certain people like everybody's cock blocking each other but everybody's also just like (laughs) it will be me and like trying to take their opportunity to have their moment but she just like does not fucking get it and like continues to sort of be an airhead. Yes, um, one of the my one of my favorite things that happens early in the season is that Alan realizes it, but mm-hmm. then also realizes it in a way that like he acknowledges like Mary, and mm-hmm. they like both acknowledge, and they like make it like a weird like cock blocking friendship where mm-hmm. they're just gonna cock block Giordo because Giordo's her actual fiance, fiance right yeah. so he's like the one that is like the most danger that they have to worry about in terms of like uh her purity mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they are like they're like oh you have so much work to do oh we're, we're doing all of this and they kind of make like a a cute team mm-hmm. like a like a we're gonna be a friendship team and we're just gonna make sure that we cock bog like the Everyone. biggest yeah it's really cute. Mm-hmm. I like that about them a lot. But then they're oddly like supposed to be affiant, so it's still like, oh, but you have a connection. Yeah, but it's like great because she's like, I don't want to, because remember he like tries to break up their their uh, relationship because mm-hmm. he realizes he's in love, mm-hmm. and she's like, don't do it. It's like the only way I can like live through my queer desire, right? right? <laughs> because because if I'm not engaged to you, who's in love with the same woman, mm-hmm. then like I'll get engaged to somebody. I'll be forced to be engaged to somebody else, and then like they'll like ship me away essentially, and I like won't, <laughs> I, I like be able not be near, near, my, be near my love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> comrades you know. in arms it's so yeah, yeah yeah it's like a little fucked up but like it's cute <laughs> it, it is super i'm well just to cut right through it my favorite ship is maria and katarina and like in the first season everybody else she's a childhood friends with mm-hmm. and maria is the one that shows up in school like in the first year of their what i assume to be high school experience sort of analogy and like so Maria shows up and it's mostly about avoiding doom flags, but then still interacting with this person. And there's like plenty of ship fodder this season. Yes. There is still ship fodder, but it is, it is clearly, <laughs> clearly just blown apart. <laughs> like not blown apart, but just like left undefended by just, <laughs> just like the, a ramping up of like certain ships. Yes. Like, um, so Giordo is like, her 
fiance, so he gets a lot of opportunities to have these romantic event flags, basically. And, mm-hmm. like, Katarina is so stupid that she, it, they end up going, but it's mostly because she doesn't know what to do. And she's just like, I don't not like him. Like, he's my friend. But it's just like, yeah, but... Well, and it's interesting because, like, the, at the end of the first arc, right, like, he kisses her. Mm-hmm. And it, like, kind of everything, all the sticks get blown because she finally becomes aware mm-hmm. that he's, like, actually trying to, like, get at her. Right. right? And it's, like, she, like, doesn't know how to feel. And she, after that kind of happens, she's, like, you're my friend. But she does act embarrassed knowing that, like, he's in love with her. Mm-hmm. Right? But then there's that, there's that great end of the episode moment where she had a friend who introduced her to the game in a previous life. And so at the end, when Giordo kisses her, I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. um, the friend goes, oh, you finished the first route. Like, good for you. Because mm-hmm. part of Otome games is that you play them over and over again so you can play all the routes. Right. You know, it's like part of like their replayability. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's interesting because even though this is happening kind of narratively forward and so... Giordo gets kind of the most um, traction because of his positionality and because he does the first kiss, mm-hmm. right? It's almost like meta, meta-wise, he gets sidelined. Yeah, no, he's like first out. Yeah, because yeah. like because like we've completed the route. Like you're aware that he's in love with you. Like okay, that's done. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think I kind of I like like that kind of meta narrative of it, right? It's like oh, you like finish their route, kind of, but by finishing their route, they actually kind of. Like, they're not a part of the ending possibilities. Yeah, like, they become less threatening, maybe, because it's like, you know, she recognizes that you have feelings for her, and she's just, like, kind of duck-dodging <laughs> and continuing on. So you're not the, like, you're not game over, and you're not game end. Yeah, yeah. But, it, like, there's something about narratively where it feels like the buildup of your relationship kind of is on is frozen right right because like a lot of otomes it's like the kiss is kind of the form the like the ultimate formation right and so like the after isn't like as um tangible often yeah there's there's plenty of discussion about sort of sexual like cultural sexual notions that probably play a hand in why the kiss is like kind of the end of these sorts of things but it is um maybe the series is a subverting of that uh sort of I don't know if it's mm. I don't I don't think it's a riff mm-hmm. because there's a way in which it's too aware of itself and like aware of what follows the final kiss of an otome game especially within the like last two or three episodes of the season mm-hmm. because like Giorda kisses her and that is also like so that is foreshadowed explicitly because she dreams about it for like a couple episodes in advance, I think, right? Me? No, I thought she started dreaming about it after the kiss. Oh, was and it, it like, after? Can, and it and it confuses her. Yeah. But like, right, like that's part of her denseness. She doesn't think about any of them as like suitors. No. That's part of like the funny of the thing. So I think if she's dreaming about him afterwards, or if she's dreaming about him kissing her, it's like, afterwards. Oh, Cause okay. Because she even goes into, like, extreme denial. Remember? He, she's like, that didn't happen. I was, like, half asleep. Like, what are you talking about? With with Giordo or with Keith? I feel like she does it with both. I think that's, like, yeah. what she does. No, well, but Keith is, like, Keith was asleep or half asleep. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like she was, like, is this real? I feel like she has, like, a is this, was that real moment, like, both times. Oh. But you're, but you're right that Keith is the one that's, like, definitely more... Um, 
like oh my god i didn't yeah and and yorda was there and saw it so yeah okay so but okay (laughs) so like jumping around yeah we are uh it's like (laughs) like most of the first half ends up being about it ends up boiling down to like katarina being dense and everyone freaking out over her and then there's that uh, one where they go into the uh, house. The doll doll house. The doll house, yeah. And um, yeah, I, so <laughs> I mean, okay, so I I have a one track mind, and all I care about is Maria and Katarina. And like over the course of the season, I thought that they had a lot of good moments. But I thought the doll house was hilarious because it's like, really, Maria, like you. She's been hinting so hard that she's just like, I just want to get strong so that I can, like, do the things I want to do and no one will question me, which is like, okay, so you want to propose to Katarina and you don't want people to question you. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then she's like, I just want to have a lot of muscles so I can make a bunch of sweets. It's like, yeah, like... so that Katarina will eat them. <laughs> right. And it's interesting because they do that in, like, really small ways. Like, um, there's a... So a lot of the second season is they're like about to transition through the magical academy, right? And they're they're about to they're like in this period where like they're almost adulthoods, right? And so it's like this weird thing where Katarina has time before she's like forced to be married to Prince Giordo, right? Right? And it's almost like how can we like push Katarina to be independent is like part of the narrative, mm-hmm. and she actually thinks about how she like. She's kind of thinking about it in, like, practical terms, even though she's very dense. Right. Um, she's like, I don't think I'd be good in royalty. I yeah. don't think I'm a good aristocrat, right? And so she has this moment where she's like, I just don't think I'm a good aristocrat, which actually, that alone eliminates basically everyone <laughs> that's, like, the main ships. Right. Except for Maria, because right. Maria's the only one that's not an aristocrat. Mm-hmm. And she ends up being, like, um, finangled into um, the, like, magic police force or something the magic the department of magic or whatever it is yeah yeah and so which is like you know this um separate organization and so they're like trying to figure out a way to do that so that she stays independent right like and that's like the underlying narrative transition um but even then like she's like oh well this is what i'm looking for in like a partner and it's clearly maria right or you know there's like the moment where they're like all at like the summer house right and they're all like talking about things at the the summer like their pat like when they were children and they went and visited again yeah and like the end cap for that episode you know it has maria being integrated into the group as like a child Right. right And it has her and Maria, it has Katarina and Maria standing together, and they're the ones that are together, like, while the other group is, like, look, like, around them. Yeah. And so it's, like, an interesting season, because I think that, like, on paper and textually, including the um, the OP and, like, all these kinds of things, it's almost like they push, they're pushing, like, a heterosexual agenda on the narrative. Um, but then, like, there's all these elements that actually, I think, support the Maria Katarina ship as like the final ship. Yeah. Like as fully final girl. And I guess it's like, even though I see all these moments with Katarina and other people, like she kisses Giorgio multiple times. She gets thrown, she gets like pushed onto a bed by uh, Sora. Sora, And everyone is fucking, yeah. And everybody is just like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Like everybody is just so pissed. They're like, he got to her first. Like the fuck? Yeah. We cannot let her out of our sight. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anyone and everyone will come on to Katarina if they can. Which, um, and then Maria is mostly just kind of like, I'm here. I just showed up. 
It's like, here you are just kind of being super background, but actually you take up a lot of, you know, they sleep in the same room together. Yeah. And, like, Maria is, <laughs> and then, like, uh, what is it? Katarina, like, hugs Maria and is just like, this is something I just did for my little brother. And it's like, oh, look at you. Just, like, easily showing, like, vulnerability and empathy to this person who doesn't ask for much and continues to make you sweets and, like, is unassuming, but unassuming in a, like, a long game way. Yeah, because she definitely has, um, there's a really great moment where um, after Giorda does the kiss and it kind of uh, blows up and Katarina's in the denial and so Giorda kisses her again Mm -hmm. to make sure she's, like, aware that that actually happened Mm -hmm. and the rest of the suitors find her and um they're about to like beat up giordo Mm -hmm. and they're and maria's like stop beat him just enough so i can still heal him (laughs) 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 right and it's like this moment where like she acts really passive but she was like no 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 still kick his ass for touching my girl but like make it so we can like cover it up (laughs) yeah right yeah, and so it's, like, great, because she is, I do agree, she is very unassuming, and she's, like, always there, but she does have these moments where she's, like, very self-aware of, like, her affection and her, and, what, and like, what her goal is. Yeah, and she's, like, I'm just trying, I just, she's, like, just let me stay by your side, and it's just, like, she's saying, like, the, 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 she says all the right things for the route, and it's just, like, no matter what, you're still on Maria's route. I get, I get, like, the reviews of, like, oh, there isn't a lot of Yuri for this season, but it's like wear your fucking goggles yeah. because like that's not like you have to be aware of the meta and like everything. Yeah, exactly. Know? And it's like actually if you really pay attention to the meta, she just like axed nearly everyone and it's just like she axed her fiance, she axed her brother. Her brother. Her brother Alan yeah. Alan is probably going to have his moment, but it's he kinda maybe did because he when he was a bird. So oh, I'm just like Yeah, like eh. like it was like yeah, the, those two are interesting, actually. So this Dollhouse episode actually mirrors an episode in season one, mm-hmm. which I loved. Yeah. Um, in season one, they all go into a book, and they all have their fantasies about Katarina. Mm-hmm. And in that one, everyone's fantasies actually, like, align to, like, her being, like, in a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Um, while in this Dollhouse version, like, everyone, there, there's some people that will surprise you, right? Maria surprises you, for sure. Yeah. Um, but again, you like read it in the context of like, no, it's because of this desire, right? Which is, I I love and I think it's great. Um, but yeah, like the Alan and Nicholas, they were both like pets, right? Mm-hmm. Like they weren't they weren't equals, no. right? They were like, oh, you own me, you take care of me. My relationship is far away, which makes sense for both of them because like positionality, they don't feel like they have traction, mm-hmm. right? Maybe, like, Nickel more than Alan. Well, but Nickel, I think that that episode happens before, is it, does that, I think that episode happens before we get Nicholas's arc of him coming to terms with it, right? It's before that arc where he, like, tries to find a fiancé, right? Like, oh, he finally yeah, is yeah, like, yeah. he's like, I need to move on because this relationship isn't going to go anywhere, and you meet these other side characters who love Katarina. Mm-hmm. And there's like kind of like a self-aware girl who's like loving her friend who loves Katarina from mm-hmm. afar. Mm-hmm. Um, who kind of like brings... Pers- I actually really love that episode where they're talking. And it's like the yellow and like the sunset. And like, you know, 
I think it was like a nice moment to focus on him mm. for a second. Mm. But all that does like but I'm pretty sure that happens after, right? So he felt like a he like he felt like he should be a cat or something and like that was all he had to her mm-hmm. kind of comes into terms that he might be actually be able to do something mm. if he like fights for her, right? And mm-hmm. like he doesn't get the like you made the route with Nicholas. So we still have him his kind of like route reclamation like available Mm -hmm. you know yeah Um, i mean she actively still admits like oh his smile yeah he's the she's she's the only one that she's like oh gosh he's so beautiful right like he's the only one out of the suitors that well in maria those are the two that she like has expressed like this person is attractive to me and i've like blushed because they're attractive wait when did she say that about maria she says it in like season one She's like, oh, you're so cute. Like, oh, you're so beautiful. And she blushes. She's dense, so she doesn't, like, right. you know. She's just like, wow, you're so beautiful. And then she's just like, I don't know. Lesbians don't exist. <laughs> like, yeah. This is, this is also <laughs> the other thing. It's just like there's Nicole. Uh, I Yeah, it's not been axed out. But definitely Keith and Giordo. And, like, mm-hmm. I, I still think Sophia just wouldn't come up because she's so – she's such a shipper on deck that it's just like – yeah, yeah, I think fully. she'll get thrown away. So like the ones that have yet to be like fully reconciled probably are like Mary, Nicole, Maria, and technically Raphael. Oh yeah, but and it'll be well. He's gonna maybe get more traction based on what season three is gonna be based off of. But we're jumping slightly. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I think that those are the ones, and I still think Alan because I think Alan and Nicole, Nicholas have like the same kind of like they felt like they had no ability right and so because they both saw themselves as animals in this kind of like fantasy and so like there might be something about that i'm really interested in mary because i think that mary was like so firm lesbian but in this season season two like there was so much desire which makes sense right like oh well she shares the like positionality thing that the other two feel right Mm -hmm. and the way that she interprets her positionality is that she wishes that she was a man right right and like we get like a lot of like i wish i was a man from mary this season that we didn't get in season one okay continue oh i just think that like i thought that that was like really interesting an interesting development about mary's kind of character right? right that like season one she's just like very like (laughs) <laughs> like she's my best friend i get to sleep over with her like i have this like intimacy that you guys can't get because i'm her woman best friend right, right. and then like in this season like in the fantasy she thinks of herself as a man mm-hmm. right um and that and she expresses it multiple times that she like wishes that she was a man and so there's like a frustration around posi- positionality right mm-hmm. and it's a different fantasy than keith's which i love where Keith completely gender flips everybody. Yes, that was so good. Did you die, Francesca? I, 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 I fully was like, Keith, I see you and I love you. <laughs> I, I texted you when I watched the episode and I was like, Keith gave me something I didn't even know I needed, wanted, <laughs> desired. When that happened, I was like, Keith, you sweet angel, gender yes. flips of everybody. This oh. is amazing. Yes. <laughs> And like, yeah. yeah, I I was gonna say something, and I need to like find a way to rephrase it. Well, actually, I should just say it. <laughs> Keith, Keith is like the hoodie of, <laughs> like, my oh. my life is built. It's just like I don't know like what we would do without you. 
<laughs> yeah, but so okay, so going back to okay, Mary and Keith are doing different things, right? Like to me, they're doing different things because Mary is saying in a way like, "Oh, I want to be a boy." I can't figure out if this is "Oh, I want to be a boy" because it would be so much easier to end up with you, or like. I want to be a boy because of what that means for you and I sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas Keith is like, I don't understand. I want to know more. I would care even if. Yes. So it's there's like a, because I can't, I want X. And then there's like, I don't know. I want X or Y. And so yeah. like, Mary, it doesn't rank on my ships as high like i would i would it's like maria and katarina or probably keith and katarina because i feel like keith is more gender fluid i don't know why yeah. there's something about how mary's framework or like dream is constructed that i'm like i think you're closer to like a trans man i'm gonna caveat that with like i'm not saying that this is how trans men view maleness i'm just saying like how the like, how the anime frames gender mm -hmm. or Mary's position is is more like she would actualize herself better through a male body versus Keith who would be actualized in his affections regardless of his body mm -hmm. and he mm -hmm. so he's not what I I don't think he's like a trans woman right, but he's right. like more gender fluid in that he wouldn't he would feel the same way about Katarina probably as long as like the roles were flipped versus Mary who always sees Katarina as female and like wants to change her own body in order to like fit a way that she can actualize her love in her mind yeah. f more fully yeah and it well I think this is interesting because it will definitely like, the final take will definitely depend on how they resolve Mary, if they decide to resolve Mary. Right. Because I, because I think because I think that this is something that is a very big distinction between season one and season two, right? Like, she doesn't really say any of that season one. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I'm, I'm really curious if, like, she sees the transition as almost, like, the easiest way to become obtainable and legible right. to Katarina. Right. Right. Um, which is, I think, of like a different. We're we're talking about like a fulfillment of a desire, like a transition based on from that specifically. Yeah. Um, versus like, um, like self actualization and identity. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. They, they they don't come in here because Mary is always her her idea of actualization ends up coming from what she thinks is what Katarina will Rina legitimate. Want. Yeah. 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 If she had any kind of clear. Uh, if she understood that Katarina like crushed and blushed around Maria in like a real sense, mm -hmm. like that might shift. But because she's only seen a response from male bodies, then like that's kind of where that imagination and that frustration is lending itself to. And then also, you know, it really depends on how they resolve if they decide to resolve her arc, right? Right. Because she's technically um, Sophia and Mary aren't routes in the game right so 
there's a way in which the narrative doesn't almost have to address resolution with them because they aren't routes. Right. Um, which is kind of sad to think about for Mary's case, less Sophia's case, um, just because of Sophia's priorities, mm. um, is her brother. <laughs> and, you know, like, that is that is how she's she's already worked it out in her brain. Right. <laughs> she doesn't feel as conflicted with her position. Yeah, because um, she's vicariously living through her brother's brother. success. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, she's, like, already kind of sorted out, but, like, they don't necessarily have to resolve Mary um, because she wasn't a route in the original game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, yeah, but still, so, still, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. yep. <laughs> but, so this is what made me, like, l- like kind of do a double take. Not a double take, but I was just like, isn't it interesting that in the desired dollhouse, what, Mary wants is to be a boy and like basically whisk away Katerina and like so in in her mind like her ideal self is not a pet or somebody that will be like kind of like neutrally by Katerina's side it's very actively like the the like dashing male romantic lead mm-hmm. but I I thought I like loved Maria's because Maria just wants to be super strong and able to make sweets for her like love which ends up being katarina so it's like implicitly a same-sex desire and what she wants is to be heavily muscly but it's like i'm not sure that who knows what you think who knows what katarina's desires are i'm sure she would still find you attractive but you want to be you still want to be like a female-bodied person I, I was just like, but you just want to be, like, super dikey and make cupcakes for your sweet. So what is the problem here? Like, you are you are definitely giving me hard lesbian energy as opposed to Mary. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting because I think another layer to that sequence, right, is that, like, um, Maria does a visual gag, which sets up, is, like, the precursor to Mary's gag, mm-hmm. which ultimately sets up Keith's gag. Right. Right. Because you have, like, this moment of kind of body fusion with, like, the hyper-musculature of Maria that's at odds with kind of her sweetness, right? Right. And then you have Mary um, fully visualizing herself as a man that she, like, has said in previous episodes. And then you have the ultimate gender flip of, like, everybody. Right. right? That happening along with all these other things that we're talking about. But I I love this take on that particular that hyper take on that moment but it wasn't fantastic like in terms of like fantastical like dreaminess like they escalate for sure but like maria's like desires are probably closest to what's attainable for her which i just think means a lot because she's still like secretly the most attainable i think and like the most set up well, you well you said it right. Like she's still the protagonist, regardless yeah. of w- whether uh, Katarina took the the thing. Right. And I mean, they do set up that a little bit because I think earlier that episode she says that she always wants to be stronger. So they seed that moment. So it's not like a full surprise when you see her. But Katarina also doesn't show up in her desire. Oh. This is why I'm, this is why I'm agreeing with. I was like, this is like a beautiful take on that moment, right? Because yeah. there's a way that you can see it only as a visual gag instead of the queer reading that just happened here folks yeah that Francesca really was like yeah she was like she was like goggles are locked on bitch and so (laughs) 
Yeah. I'm just I'm just I'm just relishing at it. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna say it again. There's a way to read Maria's desire as like the thing that is like just clearly a directly gay <laughs> like <laughs> I just wanna be a like muscly butch lesbian making sweets for who who this person is, which we all know and so she doesn't have to be there. Versus like everyone else's highly targeted desires that like make guesses at Katarina's desires. Like here is Maria just being like, I just want to stay by your side and be me. And it's like, well, in being you, you've you're the closest to your actual desires that than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Everyone else's desires says more about themselves. Whereas mm-hmm. Maria's desire says something only about herself, but it addresses Katarina in a a version of Katarina that's probably the most honest mm-hmm. anyway it was beautiful so so yeah <laughs> i i i know that you thought that i was gonna be like fuck this fucking season and i'm like half a fuck on this fucking season. <laughs> <laughs> which this makes me this makes me really happy because i think i do think it was like a really good season and there's a way in which to be nervous around some of the decisions that they were making because of the kind of hyper focus that they did and mm-hmm. we just like we know traditionally how these things can go yeah. but also i think a part of you know having our goggles on is to see queer possibility and queer life in places that you um might think are barren right and so you know i think like you know if you're if that's the ship like how could you miss these other things that are actually very vital to like the development of them as the greater ship right i think marie and katarina as the greater ship are still definitely still like heading the charge in terms of like yeah as a suitor and like and, and like and like because she's the only one that has light magic and so many of the arcs are around dark magic and light magic is the thing that locates dark magic mm-hmm. like maria is indispensable to the plot yeah in a way that like most arcs um unless katarina gets kidnapped which she does uh often um <laughs> um and even then she's still is in- integral right but like it's like maria like narratively also can't be let behind because right. they need her light magic because no one else can do light magic so like she's she's yeah she's always gonna be there. Yeah, and they um, had so many moments together, like uh, the play or whatever, like Katarina oh, flipping yeah. and being mean. I was like, oh, this is good. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is terrible, being but the this villainous. is like, yeah, the 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 fanfics shall abound. <laughs> so um, I'm just gonna wrap up where the show ended mm-hmm. um, because we're approaching our time. Yeah. Um, so um, Keith gets kidnapped. Um, we kind of get, we kind of find the face of dark magic um, person. Um, she's doing an experiment on Keith. Katarina ends up saving him. Mm-hmm. Um, through saving him, she ends up getting a dog familiar that lives in her shadow. So cute! <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. And so Katarina somehow has access to dark magic, but she didn't do it through sacrifice. So she's a little bit of a conundrum. Uh, as um, usual. And so this sets her, this allows her to be, um, to take up work at the uh, Ministry of Magic or the Department of Magic um, without kind of the um, the nepotism that uh, people were assuming. She like now has like a unique thing about her that they want to like make sure that they can like surveil while like she works for them. Mm-hmm. And so this pushes away um, her needing to marry Giordo, um with any kind of swiftness. Mm-hmm. And then... 
we kind of get the reveal, which is really interesting. Um, I thought this was like a great moment um, where basically um, the meta friend from her previous life enters a dream, which she does on occasion, mm-hmm. um, and basically uh, reveals that there it was a sequel game right. to this scenario. Um, and so there's a sequel game where Maria goes to the Magical Academy with, like, new suitors um, to kind of be wooed by uh, her, or to woo. Um, and um, in the reveal of the sequel game, you realize that there's a returning character, mm-hmm. and that Katarina, who was supposed to be dead or in exile in the first game, appears again as an actual character in the sequel. Mm-hmm. And so we have all of a sudden a sequel uh, a sequel that's set up around um, work at the Ministry of Magic, but also where Katarina doesn't remember playing the game potentially. Mm-hmm. And so she doesn't know if her flags end in doom or if she's a secret, secret route. Right. Which I thought was, I thought that was like great. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was a wonderful teaser. Yeah. 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 For so many reasons, none that I will get to right now. Cause you know, there's work at the foot. Uh, underfoot i don't know that's fine um but that's kind of how katarina ends um we don't know if it's going to be we neither of us looked there's supposed to be another season it's either a movie or a series oh my Um, god let it be a series let it be a full fucking series if it's if it's if it's like a series if it's like three three 45 minute episodes then no Francesca is uh, currently triggered by Owl House. Anyway, um, that's kind of how the series ends. We're waiting for season three um, with, like, you know, well, anime takes time to make. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not waiting with, like, bated breath, but I will be very excited for when it happens. Um, This is, like, a really, like, light, fun show. Um, We've basically spoiled most of the things, but I think there's still great joy in watching Mm -hmm. it. So if you want to watch it, Mm -hmm. you should watch it. You should. Um, I think that's everything for now. Meow. Meow. <laughs> um. <laughs> 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 it, it would be meow, wouldn't it? Or nya, nya, meow. I don't know. Meow. Meow. Yeah. I would have to really over. I just <laughs> that was good. Twice. That was good. You definitely <laughs> had your like uh, catcher moment, and I love it. I'm here. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway thanks for listening to us um we hope you enjoyed uh, another episode of uh, big fucking goggles mm-hmm. bfg it, we already plugged the email but we got to plug it again i right, guess if yeah. you want to email us please do yeah sure so, so half-hearted right uh <laughs> just know that if you're flaming us we will laugh we will um, laugh so hard and it, it yeah, yeah. bfg pod at gmail.com yeah and then if you have any questions we would love to hear them if you have any topic suggestions um we mu- we will decide if we have the time and energy to watch it Energy, is um. factor here, <laughs> yeah. especially um, if it's a game like oh gosh yeah keep in mind yeah the games, games are take time hard. Yeah. Games are hard yeah. for me. Um, I'm still trying to work through a game. I'm supposed to play a different game. <laughs> I got a game ass backlog. Yeah. But I was just like, someday I'll get to Pokemon. Let's go. <laughs> That's. I love it. Yeah. I, love I it. think I'm gonna get Eevee. Actually, that would Thank be a you. really great. Uh, maybe a listener letter or someone tell me Pikachu or Eevee. I'm still. 
I'm still like, I should get Eevee, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fully biased, so. Oh, okay. Um, Wait, what do you have, Pichu? No, you have my Eevee? bias is Eevee. Wait. I don't have it, but that's oh, my bias. Oh, oh, because it doesn't matter if I get one version. It's not like red and blue. I don't. I know that it's a remake of those games. It is, but I think you can get the whole 150. It's basically yellow version. Which, oh my oh. god, I fucking love yellow version. I always had red version. I always wanted blue version. If someone told me that Meowth was only on blue version, I would have bought blue version. Oh, wow. That's tragic, actually. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also love yellow version, but I definitely always put Pikachu in the fucking box once I got a Pokemon. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Well, once I got Squirtle, I always chose Squirtle. It was it was it was Squirtle for years and years and years. And then I think one time I chose Charmander, and it was like it's because I just want dragons because Dragonite is is my end game. Fascinating. <laughs> Hyper beam. I love that. <laughs> uh, out of the starting three, I am a Bulbasaur fan, but you know we can talk. You can yeah. Was that <laughs> was Brock fine? Was Brock okay with uh with Venusaur or Bulbasaur? I no wrecked. Wrecked? Brock, yeah. He wrecked you? Yeah. No, no, no. No, you wrecked Brock. Brock. Was, yeah. Oh. Bulbasaur? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Never had a chance in hell. I hated I hated choosing Charmander because Charmander like in Brock struggle. Yeah, it's horrible. And yeah. I was always like, Squirtle, they... we got this. We're just gonna we're just gonna train really hard for Misty. <laughs> we're gonna do our best. <laughs> oh my gosh. They they updated that around uh some I think in uh, Leaf Red, like the remake of it, oh. they gave Charmander, because they had introduced metal typing by then. Mm -hmm. So I think Charmander learns a steel move so that you can actually like get through Brock. Oh, I went to this secondhand like, video game store, and uh, they were selling Leaf Green for like $50. And I was like, why? Yeah, some games are rare, and so that's why I have it. I have Leaf Green. Uh, well, it's sitting in my it. DS right now. I'm just like, why is that? Why it's, is that that much money? That's they, like I had I had two fi copies of Final Fantasy VII, and now I see how much Final Fantasy VII is selling for, and I'm like, fuck, I should have kept my second, my other copy. Yeah, you're like, I should have eBayed this. Yeah, second. I will never get rid of this game. That and my Crystal Case of Legend of Dragoon. Never. Uh, uh, same. <laughs> I also have the Crystal Case of Legend of Dragoon. You will never um, <laughs> get this yeah. game from me. Anyway, uh, sorry. That was a little... No, you're fine. That was a little window into our souls. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. But I hope you enjoyed us. Um, hopefully you figured out whether we were subscribe-worthy or not. Mm. Um, hopefully we are. Hopefully we're not. I don't know. I have no... Whatever. Um, <laughs> we're here. Um, we're here. We're going to still make content. Because... Um, mm -hmm. Someone enjoys us, uh, maybe just ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and that is, should be enough. It, it is good enough. You know. um, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Indeed. Bye-bye. Later. <laughs>